So I am super pumped up. Every year, right after Easter, uh, we do a four-week series on relationship. By the way, uh, it's a series that we always laugh a lot. How I many you know laughter is good? Sometimes we cry a little bit. How I many you know sometimes that's good? All those range of emotions. And, and I am pumped up because we are doing something uh, that is a little bit catchy. You know, we often fight with people that we love. Our spouse, our children, people that we, we love and care about. But this is a twist. We, we want to teach you over the next four weeks not how to fight with, but how to fight for. You know, it's interesting. Uh, we, we're going to do some talks. I, I did this talk 10 years ago. Uh, we're going to do one on singles. And uh, how many of y'all, now I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, although I should, because that's your options. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. Where, where else should you meet somebody? Can I have a big amen right there? Come on, where else? Hey, I, I've got some good friends, a couple coming in uh, in four weeks. They're going to do one on parenting and grandparenting. And uh, we've never done that before. And so we're going to have some fun. But this week, uh, Jennifer and I have in, invited our dear friends, uh, Pastor Todd and Julie Mullins. Uh, they lead Christ Fellowship Church in West Palm Beach, uh, Florida. How many know you can suffer for Jesus in West Palm Beach, Florida? We just feel so sorry for them. But anyway, one of the greatest churches literally in America. Uh, they have 60,000 people last weekend at Easter. And uh, they're incredible, incredible marriage, incredible leaders, incredible parents. And, uh, and matter of fact, Coach Tom Mullins. How many of you love Coach Tom who's been here coming many, many times? Uh, it, this Todd is his son, and he now leads, and he and his wife now lead the church. And uh, so we're just pumped to have them. I'm going to ask all of our location, let's stand up. Let's warmly welcome Pastor Todd and Julie Mullins all the way from South Florida. Yeah! Hey, Church of the King, good to see you today. You can grab a seat. We are truly honored to be with you today. And like, it is our honor and privilege when Pastor Stephen Jennifer invited us up. We were like, yes, we'd love to come talk about relationships and marriage and just be with you. Every time we're around your church, we're better for it. We love your pastor so much. And we love you guys so much. Yeah, we do. You know, the first time Todd came and was able to preach here at Church of the King, he came home and said, the people at Church of the King are the nicest yeah people that we have ever met. They are our people. Yeah. And so I got to come and hang out with the girls a couple years back at your sisterhood night. And it's true. Yeah. You guys are just the best. And it really is an honor to be here. And, you know, um, if we haven't met yet, just a little bit about us. Um, we, we, we did what Steve said, meet your spouse in, in the, the house. house. That's, That's right. what we did. Yeah. We met when we were in middle school, seventh and eighth grade yep. in our church youth group. And um, puppy love is real to a puppy. Just right. saying. It's true. Right? True it story. But, you know, um, we dated on and off all the way through high school. And when we dated, what that meant was that we kind of went out to pizza with um, with the youth group after church on Sunday night. We dated on and off all the way through high school. And, and I always say it was more on than off. But Julie thinks it was more off than on. And I'm like, who matters? It doesn't matter. I won. It, so it I was definitely more off than on. It doesn't but, matter. But when I went away to college, my whole freshman year, I stayed faithful to Todd. And then it was time for him to go off to college. And we had the talk. And the talk was that, Julie, I think it's time that we release each other to find God's will. And so what good Christian girl is not going to release a 
man of God, to be, you know, to find God's will. And so we released each other. And then we went into this 18-month season, off season. Now, for those of you under 40, what that means is that there were no cell phones or texting. There was no social media. All there was was a, a, a pay phone in the middle of the dorm hallway where we would have about a once-a-month phone call, a couple of letters, 18 months. So Todd comes home on a, a, a winter break, and, um, and we began hanging out again, going out to pizza with the youth group again. And one night, he asked me to go to dinner. And so we go out to dinner, and the restaurant's a little bit nicer than any place he'd ever taken me before. And we start talking about our relationship. And at one point, he reaches over and holds my hand. I'm like, well, you know, friends are friends forever, if the Lord's the Lord of them. And so I'm thinking, this is, you know, this is nice. Well, at the end of that night, Todd gets down on one knee hey. with a ring in his hand, yep. and he asked me to marry him, and we were not even dating. That's the way I roll right there. You got to be ready in season, out of season, girl. That's what I'm saying. Now, let me say this. Ladies, if a guy ever builds up enough courage to do that, like take you out to a nice restaurant, yeah. go buy a ring, get down on one knee and ask you that question, the first words that come out of your mouth are really important words. Like you need to pre-think those words. Because the first thing I heard was, no, no way. You've got to be kidding me. Yes. And I'm down there going, is this like, no, no way, or OMG, no way. This is like, I need to know which way we're going with this thing. Well, I was just in shock. And so after the initial shock wore off, and I called the other guy that I was kind of in an on-again, off-again relationship oh, with. Um, I said yes, yes. and I'm, it was the best yes, and we, I should have known right at the beginning that this was, life would be filled with twists and turns, but after 35 years, I just feel like we're just getting started, and even though, right, even though we have not arrived yet, we know that, there are some lessons that we've learned along the way in 35 years of marriage and ministry. And we're excited to be kicking off the relationship series with you, talking about the single most important relationship you have outside of your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you are married, your marriage relationship is the single most important relationship you have. And if you're not married, what we're going to be talking about today uh, is, is vital to you. And it's going to help you, even if you're not married, because someday you may be married. And what you learn today will actually prepare you for, for that day. And, and you may be here today, and, and uh, your marriage may not be where it needs to be. Your relationship might be a little strained. I want to tell you, we've got faith for you, all right? We, here's what we believe. A couple of things we know about this series and why this series is so important. These next four weeks can literally change your life if you lean in to what God wants to speak over your life. First, we know that God wants you to have life-giving, remarkable relationships. I mean, the kind of relationships that breathe life into you don't suck the life out of you. You know what I'm saying? You got a couple of those? And here's what I know. Secondly, we all have some relationships that need some help. We have relationship problems. And if you don't think you have any relationship problems, you probably are the problem right there. And so we're here for you. We're going to help you over these next few weeks together. And the last thing that's important to understand about why this series is so important and why your pastors want to invest in it is because um, life is all about relationships. When it comes down to it, life is all about your relationships. If your relationships are good and thriving, then life seems to be good. But if relationships are, are bad, it doesn't matter how much money you make, man, if the relationships are torn apart, man, life feels bad. And how do we know life is all about relationships? Because I've been with people as they are on their deathbed getting ready to take their final breath. And you know, the only two things that they're thinking about in that moment is first their relationship with God. Do I have one? 
because I'm getting ready to meet them. And secondly, their relationship with the loved ones in their life, the people in their life. That's all, they, that's all they're thinking about. They're not worried about how much money they made. They're not worried about their bank statements. They're not worried about their visa bill because visa ain't getting paid this month, honey. I'm going to see Jesus. You know what I'm saying? All they care about is their relationship with God and their relationship with people. Yeah, and what you need to know is that where you are today, the church is the only place that you're going to go this week yep. that is completely committed and dedicated to you thriving yes. and flourishing in those two relationships, in your relationship with God and your relationship with those closest to you. And so that's why as we've been praying for this series, we've just been praying that, that faith would rise up yes. and that you could believe that God wants to do more in your relationship than yes. you could ever imagine. And, and that, that you would not settle for anything less than what God has for you. Because this is what we know is that, is that when, we, when we look at these relationships, right, that, that we can't guarantee in this series that, that if you show up every single week that your relationships are going to be perfect. But we, what we can guarantee is that if you will lean in every single week that, that God has something for you. Yes. Because here's the deal. You are the common denominator of every single relationship that you're in, yeah. right? And if you show up and lean in and, and put into practice yes. the truth from God's word, your relationships are going to get at least 50% better, right. right? And that's an incredible return on investment of your time. That's right. We, we all have been hardwired by God to be in relationship. We've been made in his image. And God is a relational God, God Father, God Son, God Holy Spirit. In fact, the very first thing in the Bible that God calls not good, it isn't sin, it's isolation. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, he says, it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good for you to be alone. God wants you to be in community and relationship. And then in that moment, he creates Eve and he establishes the covenant relationship of marriage between a man and a wife in the Garden of Eden right there because it's not good for us to be alone. So we want to talk about this relationship. Yeah, and because we're created in the image of a relational God, deep down, even if you're not a Christ follower, you you know this, right? Yeah. This, is, this is why culture is so obsessed with trying to find the secret to relationships. Yeah. And I don't know if you've looked around um, lately at what's on television, but did you know that there are 750 reality TV shows and almost all of them are all about relationships. And we don't watch any of these, so I have to do a disclaimer, but you might have seen these before. Have you ever seen the 90 Day Fiance? Like as if it's ever a good idea to jump into marriage, right? Or maybe love is blind or married at first sight. It's, it's when you get married, when you get engaged before you have ever actually met the person. But this was the most profound one, right? It's disturbing. It's, this one's called Sexy Beasts, right? And this is, this actually, let me read the- This the, is real. This is real. People really this, do this. This aims to tackle the superficial life of dating by having you wear animal, I mean, alien masks and costumes as if it is ever a good idea to trick someone into liking you. <laughs> so- what I want to say is that we can do better than yes. this, people. We can do better. We can do better than what culture has to offer. God, there is a better word. God has a better word that he wants to speak over your relationships. Yeah, and, and the truth is, reality TV isn't reality, y'all. It isn't, right? There's not much real on The Real Housewives, yeah. if you know what I'm talking about, right? Not, not much real about 25 people dating the same person all living in the same house together. That's, that's not real. That's just wrong right there. 
But our culture is fixated with this watching other people's relationship struggles. I don't know if it's because it makes us feel better about our own relationship problems. Like, at least we're not crazy like those people up there. But we've all been hardwired for this. Yeah, and because culture's bombarding us with with these myths about relationship, their secrets to, to success, we have to be really careful and on guard that we don't fall into believing some of the myths that culture is selling us. And, you know, one of, of the myths that, that is really out there in culture is that, that relationships just happen naturally, right? They, they just happen. You meet someone and the conversation is just easy. I mean, they just get me, right? And, and there's just automatic sparks in chemistry. Yeah, we th- falling in love is easy, right? All, all it takes to fall in love is a pulse. That's all you got to have. You got a pulse, you can fall in love. with some- People can fall in love at a club, not even know their real name. Like, I, I'm in love. What's their name? I don't know. <laughs> Man, it takes, it takes only a pulse to fall in love, but you got to have a plan to stay in love. Yeah, and the, and the problem is, is so many times in marriage when the chemistry wears off, right? When, it, when it's not easy anymore, well, it, it just must not have been meant to be. Or when the chemistry's gone, I'm gone. And we may not even know that we have bought into this lie. You may not think that you believe that it should be easy, but you've probably made the comment before, why are these relationships so hard? Why is marriage so hard? Or maybe why is parenting so challenging? Right? Why is my spouse driving me crazy? <laughs> I've never used that one. But, um, you know, we, we think it's supposed to be easy. We bought into the lie. Right, but the truth is, is that that great relationships, especially great marriages, they they don't come naturally. They are completely unnatural. Right. It is it is completely unnatural to put somebody else's desires and wants above your own. Right. It it's against our nature to be patient, right? And and it, it, we're never gonna feel like saying I'm sorry or please forgive me. See, great marriages they're not just unnatural. They require supernatural strength, a supernatural power that that we don't possess on our own. And what I want you to hear is that when it comes to our relationships, especially our marriage, if we want something different than what everyone else has, we have to do something different than what everyone else is doing. Let me say that again. If we want something different than what everyone else has, we have to do something different than what everyone else is doing. We have to to do something different and and lean into something different than what culture is serving up. And the title of our message today, if you're taking notes, write this down, and you're probably thinking it's about time they got to the title of their message. They've been talking for a while. The title of our message today is The Secret Weapon. The secret weapon, because this is what we know, is that we need a secret weapon when it comes to the fight for our relationships. And different is not easy, right? It requires a secret weapon. And this is the secret weapon that we believe is the biggest difference maker in a relationship that is going to thrive. It's the, it's going to make the difference in every relationship. That's right. And so uh, some of, for us, uh, we could talk about how we get a vision for our marriage, that we had to be different. Other people don't have a vision for their marriage. We actually have one. It's written down. We could talk to you about how to argue properly because you're probably going to have an argument every once in a while. We do. How do you do that in a healthy way? But today we want to focus, and we've been praying about this for you, on the one thing that we believe is the secret weapon for how to fight right for the marriage. It is the difference between what will make your home a haven or hell on earth. You know what I'm talking about? 
Uh, it is the difference between your marriage thriving and your relationships thriving or barely surviving and, and holding on. And so we want to share that. Are you ready for this? Are you ready for, for this difference maker, Little Creek? You ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? I don't think you're ready. Are you ready? Okay. Okay, before I tell you, uh, I'm going to read a passage of scripture to you because I want you, you know, we are in church, so I want to make sure you understand this comes from the word of God. Uh, when you look in the gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 5 and chapter 6, in chapter 5, you see Jesus uh, around the towns around the Galilee, and he's performing all these miracles. Jairus' daughter was dead, and she's raised back to life. The woman that crawled through the crowd just to touch the hem of his garment, she's instantly healed after being sick for 12 years. A demoniac was completely delivered and set free. And the multitudes are following Jesus all, all around. And that's all in Mark chapter 5. And then at the beginning of Mark chapter 6, it says this. And this is really profound. Jesus left that part of the country, that part of the Galilee where he was performing all these miracles. And he returned with his disciples to Nazareth, his hometown. And the next Sabbath, he began teaching in the synagogues, and many who heard him were amazed, and they asked, where did he get all this wisdom and the power to perform such miracles? And they were deeply offended and refused to believe him. Then Jesus told them, a prophet is honored everywhere except in his own hometown and among his relatives and family. And because of their unbelief, look at that, he could not do any miracles among them. He, he could not do any miracles. Among, so you got to understand, Nazareth is this small village. Everybody knew everybody. And so when Jesus shows up, they're like, uh, isn't that Jesus? Like, where did he get to all that wisdom and act like he's somebody? Like, didn't he go to school with our son Eli? Didn't he go to Hebrew school with him? Didn't he play football, kickball with Reuben, our kid down the street? I mean, they, they, they were just, they were familiar with, with Jesus, and notice it, it's, it didn't say that Jesus would not perform any miracles. He wasn't offended by their unbelief. Right. It says that he could not right. perform any miracles. He, he was somehow constrained. And I don't even fully understand theologically how the God who can do the impossible, like he can move the immovable, right? But in this situation, in this atmosphere, he was constrained and couldn't do what he came to do and be what he came to be, the atmosphere of dishonor actually limited the work of God in their midst, right? And this is one thing that Julie and I have seen over the course of all the years we've been pastoring and loving people is that a spirit of dishonor actually disrupts the divine. The supernatural work that God wants to do, dishonor can actually stop it in its tracks. Yeah, when you let that sink in for a minute, it's really kind of profound. When you think about the fact that an atmosphere of dishonor can actually hold back everything that, that you've been working so hard to release into your relationship. It can actually hold back everything that you've been praying for in your relationship. And this, this, is, so, um, this is so profound. And when you look at the word dishonor in this context in scripture, um, it, it actually comes from the Greek word atome. And atome means this, it means to treat as common and ordinary. And notice it doesn't say to treat as harsh or rude, even though those are very dishonoring things. It actually, it just, it's just saying that, that they were treating Jesus in this passage as, as if he was just common. And, and what Jesus did and came to do was not common or ordinary. Um, it, is, it is valuable and weighty. Yeah. And, and what, what it's saying here is that, is that they were treating him familiar. 
And when I read, I'm so challenged because the people that were closest to Jesus, right, they grew up with him. They, they actually were so close, but they missed out on the supernatural work that Jesus wanted to do for right. them. And, and when I think about this in our own lives, that, that I think that we can be so close. We can come to church. We can have our quiet time. And we can actually miss out on this supernatural work that God wants to do. And I, I wonder sometimes if maybe there's, there's something that he wants to release in our family. Maybe there's a, an outpouring of joy that, that we're almost afraid to, to pray for because we're not even sure it's available for us. Or maybe there's a, a healing in our family. Maybe there's something that, that I'm missing out on in my marriage, be, not because of some sin or lack of faith, but because I'm treating the person closest to me as common wow. and ordinary. But then when you think about the reverse of that, if, if dishonor disrupts supernatural, I wonder what an atmosphere of honor can release in the supernatural. Yeah. Think about it. I wonder what an atmosphere of honor can release in the supernatural power when we honor God and put him first in our home and we honor the people around us. Yes. And because we live in this culture, right, where, where, um, where, where if someone disagrees with you, we live in this cancel culture. You disagree with me, I cancel you. Yeah. You turn on the TV and almost every sitcom you watch is, is children disrespecting, dishonoring yeah. their parents. But what I want you to hear is, though, even though that, that, that honor might be absent, virtually absent in our culture, it's very, very present in the Word of God. As a matter of fact, in the Word of God, honor is mentioned 147 times. And almost every single time that it's mentioned, it's talking about the way that we honor the people in our lives. And the definition of honor, scripturally, is the Greek word teme. And it means this, to value to treat as precious and weighty, yes. to give weight and value to what God gives weight and value to. And, and who does God value the most? People, yeah. right? The people closest to us, God values them so much that he gave his life for them. What does he value? He puts weight and value on marriage. Yes. Marriage was actually the first institution that he created to yeah. be a reflection of his love, yes. an extension of his arm. And this, he, he, he values and puts weight on marriage. So when we give value to what, to what and who God values, it actually changes the atmosphere in our relationships. We're no longer limited, right? Our, our relationship is no longer limited to our personalities because we've invited the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit to do something that only he can do. It's no longer limited by our weaknesses, but we actually have access to the supernatural strength of the Holy Spirit to, to bring, to do something supernatural in our relationship. And that's what we're praying for you, that your relationship would not be limited, but the power of the Holy Spirit would be unleashed, that you would have a relationship beyond anything that you could even imagine today. Yeah, so how do we do this? How do we, don't you want that? <laughs> I want it. How do we unleash the power of honor in every relationship, specifically our marriage relationships? I'm glad you asked. The first thing you've got to do is you've got to choose honor. You have to make a choice. I'm going to choose to honor the other person in my life. And it is going to be a choice you have to make. Honor is not a feeling you have. It's a choice you make. It's a commitment that I'm going to honor the other person. Now, honor, as Julie mentioned, it has to start by honoring God. Because yeah. if you don't start if you don't honor God, you're not going to honor the people that God puts in your life. You're not going to honor the people that are made in his image that are right in your life, sitting right next to you. So it starts by honoring God. There's a passage of scripture in 1 Timothy 1.17 that says, To the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, 
be honor and glory forever. So it starts by, God, I'm honoring you that you are the king eternal. You have always been. You always will be. That you're the God that sacrificed your only son so that we can have life and be forgiven. So I, I honor you for that in my life. I honor your word in our home and in our marriage as the authority that we're going to build our, our lives upon. And we honor God in this way. And when you do that, the Bible says that God is going to, in turn, honor you and your marriage. Look what it says in 1 Samuel 2.30. This is God speaking, and he says, those who honor me, say it with me out loud, I will honor. So let that sink in for a minute. If you honor God, God says, I'm going to honor you back. So this is God who literally deserves our honor. He created everything, did everything. And he says, I'm going I'm to honor you back because honor is so important in a relationship. There's a blessing that comes with honor. And, and we see this over and over throughout the Bible. Um, think about like Abraham. Abraham honored God. He, he left his home country, followed God, and God honored Abraham by making him the father of many nations. Noah honored God, and he obeyed God, even when it didn't make sense, and he went countercultural to everything the world around him was doing and saying, and God honored Noah and blessed his family. Mary uh, honored God, and it says she was favored and chosen by God to carry Jesus in, into the world. Consistently, I could go scripture by scripture by scripture, that blessing and favor follow honor. Blessing and favor always follow honor. So you want blessing and favor in your life? Honor God. You want blessing and favor in your marriage? Honor your spouse. You want blessing and favor in your relationship with your kids or at work? Honor the people that God has placed around you, and you will experience a blessing and a favor in your life. Yeah, this is so true. And our honor for God, the way that we honor him is by the way that we treat other people. Right. It's actually lived out by the way that we treat other people. It's put to the test by the way that we treat and, and love the people around us. And it starts with the people that are closest to us. Yeah. And when you look at, um, at scripture in Ephesians and First Peter, it, it commands us to honor your wife, honor your husband. Hebrews 13, 4, it says, honor your marriage and its vows. Remember the vows that you made on your wedding day? I remember the day that we said, I do. We had no idea what we had just done, right? We had no idea. And we made those vows to love, to honor. And I really believe that, that honor might be the most broken wedding vow. Because what happens is, is that we become familiar. We, we, be, we begin to treat our spouse as common and ordinary as time goes on. And I love watching some of our young couples that are just getting married at, um, at, at our church and on our team. And it's amazing. I mean, the guys are opening the car doors. Yeah. You know, at the end of the day, there is a home-cooked meal on. on the table. You're yeah. just waiting Ooh. for that, that other person to come home, right? And you're, like, anticipating them walking through the door. Well, then, you know, it's like at the beginning, you're like, oh, Pookie, can I get you anything? Oh, no, Pookie, let me get you something. Let what me you get want, you girl? something. What yeah. do you want? No, and then, like, a want? couple months in, you're going, hey, Pookie, you've got two feet. Go get, get it, it yourself, yourself right? Yeah. And what happens is that we begin to treat the person closest to us as common. Yeah. And, and what I see in this is that we just get so familiar. And, and this is when we have to begin to choose honor. Choosing honor, there's a, there's a few practical ways. The first thing is we have to choose not to compare. And this is so important. When you look at Song of Solomon, you know, there's this verse in, in chapter 6 where, where he begins to um, describe the love of his life. And I've kind of made this a little bit more personal in the first person, but, but he says this, he describes his love, and he says this, he says, there is no one like you on the earth. There has never been, there never will be. You 
are a man beyond compare. He said you are a woman beyond compare. But there's something about when in a marriage when, when there is just no comparison. Nobody compares with you. And so there's so many times we begin to compare our spouse with somebody else. And we, we begin to compare their physical appearance to an unrealistic ideal that we might see in culture. Or we might begin to compare, you know, the way that, that my friend's spouse treats them over the way you treat me. Wow. And when this begins to happen, it creates insecurity. Right. Comparison creates insecurity. And this, this is so not God's plan for your marriage. You know, Theodore Roosevelt said that comparison is the thief of joy. Yes. And what I want you to know is comparison will rob your relationship. It will rob your relationship of joy and suck the life right out of it. It creates insecurity. And then another, another part, um, another thing that we can choose is we can choose to have honor mentors. Yeah. People that, that you may have never had a picture of what it means to honor your husband. We have a couple that have been married 55 years. And I watch the way Pastor Don honors joy. Yeah. And, and he's a mentor. You know, sociologists say that we will become the average of our five closest friends. Your marriage will become the average of the five closest married couples around you. Right. So look around. Look around. Are the people that you're hanging with, are they, are they mentors that can, that can help you to know how to honor? They honor your marriage and honor each other. And also to choose to be honorable. You know, I think it's so important. Todd, one of the things Todd has done in our marriage to honor me is that he's never given me a reason not to trust him. I can pick up his cell phone at any time, and, and we share passwords, and it's just a way. He's never given me that reason, and so there's, there's this, something happens in an atmosphere of honor. See, honor actually creates security and safety, yeah. and security and safety actually fuel intimacy, and it all begins with honor. A lot of people think they have communication problems or sex problems, but the truth is, is they have an honor problem. And if you go back to honor, it's in security and safety that intimacy is created. Yeah. So you've got to choose in your marriage and in all relationships to actually bring honor into it. You're making a choice. I'm going to honor the other person. But it doesn't just stop with the choice. The second thing you have to do is you have to speak honor. Um, I've heard it said before that communication is like the lifeline to a relationship. Like, like uh, the relationship between Julie and I is not going to exist if I don't talk to her. So there has to be communication flowing. In fact, the quality of the communication is going to define the quality of the relationship, right? So the words that we're speaking to each other, how we speak to one another, that is going to define our relationship. And so we need to become fluent in the language of honor, words that honor, words that, that create that, that safe place and security in our home for our marriage to be strong. And uh, the truth is, the average person speaks 25,000 words every day. Did you know that? You speak 25,000 words every day, and some of y'all are way above average, yeah. <laughs> which means you speak way more than that, right? You're sitting next to somebody that speaks. So how are you using those words to actually speak words of honor? Yeah, you know, this, again, was challenging for me because I'm thinking if I'm speaking that many words, enough words to fill 50 books a year, are the words that I'm speaking to my spouse over my spouse and about my spouse to other people, are they echoing God's voice over their lives or are they actually reinforcing a lie that the enemy might be telling them? And what I want you to hear is that, that a strong marriage, an intimate marriage, cannot be built on 
harsh, sarcastic words. Right. We have to be intentional around the words yes. that, because words create the environment in our home and in our relationships. Proverbs 18.21, you might know this, this uh, scripture. It says, words kill or words give life. They're either poison or they're fruit. Here's the good news. You get to choose. So you get to choose the words you're going to speak over your relationship. You get to choose the words you're going to speak over your spouse or over your kids. You get to actually choose whether it's going to kill it or bring life to it. Those are, those are power. Your words are powerful. Think about it this way. When God created the universe and everything that we know, how did he do it? He spoke it. He, he said, let there be. And there was. Everything that you see was created out of the spoken word of God. Jesus when you look at his life, he, he spoke to storms, and they were quieted. He shouted at dead men in tombs and said, Lazarus, come forth, right? His words were like power tools that he used to, to calm storms and to breathe life into dead things. And you have been made in his image, which means with the power of the Holy Spirit inside of you, your words can kill or your words can give life. Your words can calm relationship storms. Words like, I'm sorry, it's my fault, Forgive me. Boy, that can calm a storm right there. If you don't quit trying to prove a point or prove why you did something you did, just take responsibility for it. It can calm the storm. Words like, um, uh, how can I help you? What, what do you need from me that I haven't been giving you in the relationship? Those kind of words, man, that can breathe life into something that's, that's been dead or, or dying. And let me just say this to all of you that are married. Um, I don't want you to underestimate the power of your words over your spouse, because God has sovereignly put you together. That means that you have a, an anointing in that relationship to speak words over that other person that will call out the God thing inside of them and, and pick them up when they're down. I can't tell you how many times I've been discouraged, you're going through something, and God would use more than anybody else's words, Julie's words. She'll come into my office and she'll say something. She'll pray for me. She'll, she'll say, hey, I was thinking about what a good husband you are, what a good dad you are. And all of a sudden I'm like, hey, okay, life's not so bad anymore, right? Because she's anointed to speak that over me. So you are anointed in, in your relationship as a, as a married couple to actually prophesy into the life of that person you're married to and speak over them. But you've got to choose to speak words that are going to bring life and that are going to honor that's so good. You know, um, it, sometimes you have to prophesy over potential, yeah. right? It's like prophesy over potential. It's like when things aren't going great, it's like, you know what? I have a lot of things I could say, but what I want to call out yes. is the God thing. See, what we're talking about is honor and treating the person closest to you as valuable, precious, and weighty because yes. they are. Yeah. And so it starts with choosing honor, and we're going to speak honor. We, our words are either going to make a deposit or a withdrawal yeah. in the relationship. But I believe that one of the most important things that we can do is to make honor a daily habit. Make honor a daily habit, because this is the deal, is that practice and consistency is what makes what used to be impossible automatic. Let me say that again. Practice and consistency makes what used to seem impossible automatic. And what I'm talking about here is, have you ever seen a toddler ever begin to feed themselves with a spoon, right? It's pretty messy or to try to brush their teeth. Well, at first, it seems impossible. But over time, with practice and consistency, today, all of you eat with a spoon and brush your teeth 
automatically. Right. And so it's the same with anything that, that we're trying to get good at, right? It's, it's, it takes practice and consistency. Anything that's good for you, it, it takes that practice and consistency. If you want to be in shape, you can't just work out one time and do right. one honorable thing, yeah. right? It takes practice and consistency to get better at it. And so, um, so you know, a few years ago, back in 2020, I, I was, we were just going through a really stressful season, and I realized that the people around me, my kids and, and Todd and the relationships closest to me, they were getting the worst of me. And even though I was trying really hard, frustration would win every single time. And in that same season, I heard a very powerful truth, and this is what it said, was that, that our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And what I realized was that, that when I woke up every morning, my strongest thoughts were not God's thoughts. Yeah. And so I knew that I had, to, I had to make a deposit into my thought life because my thoughts would impact my attitude and my attitude would impact my relationships. And so I began to go into training. Instead of trying, I had to go into training and begin to practice honor, even when I didn't feel like it. And there were a couple of practices I put into place. One is that in my daily devotions, every single morning, I actually write five things I'm grateful for, because gratitude it is a superpower. Yeah, it but I began to write one thing every day that I was grateful for about Todd. And sometime during the day, I would try to tell him about that. You know, so I would, I would write what I was grateful for, and I'd, he'd get a text later on, or I'm just so grateful for the, the way that you've been such an amazing dad, or the way that you're leading in this season. And so that was one way, was gratitude. But the second was really powerful, and that was I began to write out declarations and declare God's truth over my problems and over my relationships. I have about 10 of these that I declare every single day, but I'm just going to give you a couple of them. The first one is I'm going to make a declaration that, that I want our home and my life to honor God. And this is the declaration I read every morning, that Jesus, you're first in my life. I exist to glorify you. You are for me, and you want me to flourish. And I am going to order my life to draw closer to you. And so this is the foundation. But then I knew I needed a, a, a declaration of honor for my husband. And so every morning, this is what I say, I love my husband. I will honor him by the way I look at him by the way I talk to him, and by the way I talk to others about him. I will make him glad that he married me. Yes, okay, so this is my declaration, but this is a good time to tell you. These declarations are not always factual, but they are aspirational. Okay, there are times I declare this at 6 a.m. By 9 a.m., he's probably wondering why he married me. But what I want you to hear is that I am not like this every day. This is not me every day, but it's more me today than it was three years ago. Yes, yes. And it was an infusion of honor into our home. So we need to make some declarations yes. over our relationships yes. so that we can walk in the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit and let his word guide our thoughts and our actions. So imagine if we all did this. Imagine if you walk out of here and you go, I'm going to choose honor. I'm going to choose to honor my spouse. I'm going to choose to honor the people in my life. I I'm going to get good at speaking honor. The, the, the words that I say are going to actually create an atmosphere of honor that Jesus can walk into like he did around the Sea of Galilee. And because he was honored, man, he did the supernatural. Healed. He mended. Imagine what could be healed. Imagine that thing that you've been praying about for so long. Maybe you've even stopped praying and believing. But if you create a space of honor and, and you actually make it a daily habit and you build these practices in, what you've been praying for, what you've been believing for, maybe even what you stopped praying for, you're going to see God do in the coming days and the weeks. 
as you create a place and a space for honor. So here's our challenge to you. Challenge for week one. First of all, let's keep coming back. You're going to be here for these next few weeks of these relationship series. But out of Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says this. Love one another deeply. And then it says this. Say it out loud with me. Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo each other. Like, try to outdo your spouse in showing honor this week. I try to outdo the people in your life. And you may say, well, that'll be easy because they ain't doing nothing. Okay. Then you do it. You win. And you keep doing it. And you're going to be able to create a place where the Spirit of God is going to be able to step in. Hey, listen, we want to pray over you today, and we want to pray specifically for marriages in the room. So if your spouse is here, would you just take their hand as we pray a prayer of blessing over your marriage and over your relationships, over your home, over your family? Um, and That's the first prayer we're going to pray, that you will actually this week establish a culture of honor in your relationship like never before. The second prayer I want to pray, though, is for those of you that uh, you need to get your relationship with Jesus right. Can I tell you that that's the one relationship that changes everything? You get that relationship right. He steps into the middle of it. He changes you on the inside. He, you're inviting him in to, to do the supernatural in your home and in, your, in all of your relationships. And so if, when I get to that second prayer, if you need to get your relationship with God right today, or maybe you've never had a relationship with him, that prayer is going to be for you, all right? Let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you for your word today, and I thank you that your word teaches us um, right and wrong. It helps us even know where we've maybe been missing it for a while. I pray for those uh, marriages in the room where honor has not been the first language. I pray that, Lord, this week we would choose honor, we would speak honor, we would build daily habits, we'd write down some declarations, we'd write some notes and texts to each other that would, would actually establish the honor, the respect in the home and in the relationships. And we speak a blessing over every marriage here today, over every home here today. God, we pray that your blessing, as we step out and, and, and invite you in to our homes and our marriages, we pray that you would bless every home, every marriage. Make it strong, we pray in Jesus' name. As we continue to pray with every head bowed, if you're here today and you would say, Todd, um, I, I need to get my relationship with God right. Maybe you're here and you've never even had a relationship with Jesus Christ, or if you were honest, your relationship isn't where it needs to be. I'm going to lead you in this second prayer, and if you would say, Todd, I need to invite Jesus in to my heart and my life, uh, and would you include me in this prayer? Right where you're seated, would you just raise a hand up and uh, let me know that, you're, that you want me to pray for you in this area? Yeah, hold it up high. Let me see it all across the room, all across the back. Yeah, don't be ashamed. You want everything Jesus has for you. That's right. That's right. We're all going to pray together, but those with your hands up, this is your prayer this morning, so you pray just a little bit louder than everybody else. Pray this after me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Forgive me of all my sin. Forgive me of all my sin. And going my own way. And going my own way. Today I repent. Today I repent. And I follow you. And I follow you. Fill me with your peace. Fill me with your peace. With your joy and grace. With your joy and grace. In Jesus' name I pray. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Let's thank God for all those that made that decision today. We love you. Thank you. Wow, what an amazing message today. And we'd love to just hear if God was speaking to you something specific during today's message or you had some takeaways. Why don't you take a second right now and type it in the chat room. We'd love to hear what God is speaking to you specifically during today's message. I also wanna take a second to talk to those of you that maybe feel like God's really doing something in your heart right now. Maybe he's stirring on your heart to commit your life to Jesus today for the first time or, or maybe to recommit your life to Jesus. If that is you, we just wanna say congratulations 
congratulations, because as a church, we believe that's the best decision that you could ever make. We're cheering you on and we're celebrating with you. It's, it's gonna be an amazing journey of following Jesus. Yes, and we would love nothing more than to be able to encourage you and equip you with some practical tools as you start this new journey, this new life with Christ. And so if that is you, if you took that step today, why don't you text the word decision to 822-822 and we would love to hear from you. Yeah, we really mean that. Well, I think that kind of wraps up our time together. We've really enjoyed being with you for Church Online today. And don't miss next week. We're continuing our series called Fight For. It's gonna be an amazing message next weekend. So we'll see you here next week, same time. Same place. We love you guys. See you next week.